and we're live, guys. Good morning, everybody. Quick question. Do you know anyone that has a leg that's longer than the other or vice versa where it's shorter than the other? If you do, today is a podcast for you. We're going to be talking about leg length discrepancies, how to treat it using a heel lift. Good morning, Maria. How you doing? Good morning. It's dark outside. Yeah. Got your tea. I got the tea. Got the morning voice. Got my coffee going. Oh, we got your coffee going. Good brew. So... <laughs> Time to get started on our heel lift talk, right? Let's talk about leg link discrepancies and what that means. Yeah, so I think it's a touchy subject because whether to do it, whether not to do it. And I would, you know, really prefer to do everything possible to not have to put a heel lift in, mm-hmm. right? You know, I saw you in the clinic yesterday putting the heel lift in. How'd that feel? It was great. Um, there was a lot of problem solving. Mm-hmm. The patient responded incredibly well. Mm-hmm. We can expound upon upon that and see uh, what uh, what we did together to figure out why you need this and is it appropriate? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it simply isn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. That has everything to do with whether or not your leg length discrepancy is a functional mm-hmm. or a structural issue. Right. I, I mean, I think that's the big thing too is, is it really happening because of what's truly going on in the lower extremity or the pelvis or is it happening because of the back? Mm-hmm. There could be changes that um, have developed over time through scoliosis um, in adolescence and development, or it could just be postural changes. Um, and it could also happen from pelvis to lower extremity. Um, if there's been a traumatic event, ankle injury, um, if there's been an upper leg injury, hip osteoarthritic changes, mm-hmm. changes in the SI or low back as well. And that lends itself to everything we were just talking about, which is, is it structural? Mm-hmm. Is, is it a congenital defect where one leg was just simply a little shorter than the other? For example, maybe your, your, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's early guys. Is it your thigh bone or your shin bone that might be slightly shorter or longer compared to the other side? The scoliotic curve you were talking about, if you have that adolescence idiopathic curve, it's going to, it's going to change everything up and down the chain. And you're going to compensate. And those are really good ideas, or excuse me, really good examples of what a structural deformity is. And then you lend itself to, well, maybe there's a twisting of the pelvis. That would be a functional deformity that we can actually do. Um, excuse me. That's something we can actually treat without using a heel lift. That's right. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's where all of our interventions are applicable is we try everything to not have to use that heel lift. Mm-hmm. And that's where our assessment and hands-on to assess patients posture is really important that is delicious by the way thank you for that tea that is amazing (laughs) wow very sugary but delightful very sugary yeah it's really good i mean it's not super sugary but it's very good this morning thank you i didn't even i didn't expect that (laughs) no problem guys i usually go uh i don't know the proper word for it but i wouldn't say naked or dry but i don't put i don't adulterate my tea at all it's just flat it's, it's just flat <laughs> but this is exciting <laughs> good morning yeah good morning thank you sorry for that little interruption there yeah no so you know i think that's where 
physical therapists are specialized in asking questions, but then also after that, getting their hands on patients and assessing their posture or their bony landmarks standing, um, and also in supine or lying down. So most of the time after I've done my interview with patients, I have them stand and then I'll just say, I'm just going to check your shoulders, mm-hmm. see if they're equal in height, and then just um, palpate or feel some of the other major bony landmarks to identify alignment. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually use like the inferior angle of their scapula, their shoulder blade, mm-hmm. make sure that they're lined up, but also feel um, their spine to see if there's any rotational elements. And then also placing my hands on their hips to see too if there's any elevations or their shifts. Because some of these changes can happen not just in one plane of movement, but also in another plane. So you think of how if I were to like splice you in half, you know, thinking the frontal plane, but also a sagittal plane, the cross section too. So there can be a curvature that's like an S, but there can also be a rotational element as mm-hmm. well. And a lot of times it's a combination of both, isn't right. it? Mm-hmm. 3D, yeah. 3D, H, uh, you know, high def. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm just thinking you got to think in every single plane and it's got to be high resolution, high def, HDMI cables. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do want to kind of point out that just like the structure of building Legos or building scaffolding, If you're trying to stack one thing on top of the other and it's not aligned correctly, it's going to try and revert itself to create better structure. If not, it will create that lean and that's where you would get some of the changes in your spine. Your body is always seeking balance. Mm -hmm. The concept always comes back to homeostasis. Exactly. And so from there, you know, after I get an assessment of what they look like in standing and maybe some other types of assessments, I more than likely will have them lie down just to see if that leg length is still um, present or maybe it wasn't present in standing. Maybe it's present now in supine or when they're laying down. So, um, you know, most commonly I will palpate my uh, lower extremity bony landmarks, which is my medial malleoli, Um, my knee joint line, just inferior to the patella. And again, back to hands on their hips or feeling their Mm -hmm. ASIS, just to see if that's aligned as well. And then from there, if it's still um, an asymmetrical alignment, I usually have the patient do one of our special tests, which is the supine to sit. Do you ever um, invest in that test? Sorry, I don't. I do, but I don't. Do I put a lot of reliance or credibility in it? No, I don't. Did I do it yesterday? No. I used two other tests to, oh, to confirm. What did you use? So I did exactly what you were talking about. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll have them lie down on their back and um, we'll have them bridge. Mm. Then, yeah. And the reason why we do the bridge, guys, is because you don't want any soft tissue to be getting in the way that might skew your results. So by, I guess, neutralizing all the soft tissue that you would see in their bottom after doing the bridge, lying down flat, leg straight, then you can actually stand on the left or the right side. Use your dominant eye. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess to that point, you always want to be consistent with how you do this with the pre and post tests. So I would stand on that person's left side because I'm right, right eye dominant. And then I'll palpate those anterior superior iliac spines of the ASISs. I will bypass the knee joint 
and I'll go to that distal or the furthest point away of their inside ankle bone or the distal medial malleolus. Mm-hmm. I'll put a little dot on there with their permission asking, hey, can I put a little marker mm-hmm. dot right here? That way I don't have any uh, fumbling going around or wondering, weathering, you know, wondering whether or not I'm in the right spot or if I'm guessing. And then I'll just use a tape measure. I'll take it to that ASIS, I'll stretch it, and I'll place it at that point, at that distal medial malleolus, and I'll take the measurement, and I'll compare it to the other side. So that's one way. Or you could just eyeball it. You see that quick at bedside where people just eyeball. Are the ASIS is level, maybe the tibial plateaus, or the tibial tuberosity that's at bump just below the knee uh, joint line. Mm-hmm. Or they'll look at that same spot we talked about where you have the inside of the ankle, that medial malleoli, and slip your thumb underneath there and see whether or not they are equal or not. Mm-hmm. But then you could do that sit up from that lying down position and see what's going on. Right. And you know, what we're looking for there too, is if there is a true leg length discrepancy, it would remain short. Yes. Um, if there were changes in more like tightness or pelvic obliquity, then it would resolve itself. And then we would know that it would be more soft tissue based and could resolve itself with other interventions like muscle energy techniques um, to help correct the pelvic alignment. And then you can provide some stabilization techniques. Marie, I'm so happy you said that because I didn't do those things, but those mm-hmm. things are, they need to be said. Mm-hmm. Because you need to differentiate, is this structural or is it functional? And you just pointed right. out a great way of how you can differentiate the two. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 do, do I still do some of the muscle energy techniques just to really be truly positive that it wouldn't be involved with this leg length discrepancy. Because again, I don't want to create something that someone's going to need as a lifetime management if it's not certain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I also educate the patient on is sometimes patients will come in and they'll be like, Oh, they gave me a heel lift. That's exactly what I need. I'll take that by. And I'll say, well, let's, you know, confirm that that's really what you need because too, you know, some of our other thoughts that we've learned, um, additionally would be that if it's over so many centimeters, there's going to be more guidelines to follow, which would include getting something more custom made, mm-hmm. um, something that I would have to refer to um, the orthopedic doctor or to the prosthetist mm-hmm. um, at a clinic that can help assess with that setup. Right. I'm glad you mentioned the prosthetist. That's the person that does um, some sort of fabrication or modification to the shoe and or the orthosis that that person's using. We using heel lifts, you would consider that an orthotic or an orthosis mm-hmm. and it's something you could slip into any in and out of any other shoe however have you i'm sure you've seen this i've seen this many times where instead of doing that if that leg length discrepancy is significant greater than let's say an inch mm-hmm. that's when they would actually build up the midsole of the shoe and that's the heel lift it almost looks like a platform shoe right so that's something to consider too, if that's something that's warranted where that leg link discrepancy is incredibly um, large, greater than, these are some of the sources that we looked at and none of them really agree, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is interesting. But generally, if it is 0.6 centimeters, which is almost a quarter inch, it's warranted to use a heel lift. There's other sources that say different, but that, t- that tends to be in alignment with what we learned in school too. Right. And... You know, again, it's if you're going to invest in this, you got to do a lot of tests and retests. So this takes time. Yes. This isn't going to be like, I'm going to send you out the door. 
And also, too, when you educate the patient on using something like a heel lift, you're not going to let them stay in it for hours Thank initially. You. Absolutely not. They're going to progress, you know, leave leave this in for about two hours and see how you feel. If it makes things worse, take it out. If it feels better, okay, then you'll progressively build up the time Thank you. That's to using it. Critical, super important, because you don't want to just throw something in there. It's almost like a rock in the shoe and can cause even more harm. Right. And then, too, you want follow-up definitely in the appointment that you mm-hmm. see them next too to just again reconfirm that you're on the right track with stuff because there's some patients too that oh the therapist or the doctor told me to do something so i'm just going to do it well did it make you feel better well no not necessarily not necessarily so why are you doing it Mm -hmm. um i guess it's just a big thing that you got to ask a lot of questions it takes a lot of time just really confirm that that's what you need that's what we did yesterday um just to kind of give you some more context or information about this gentleman that i saw yesterday I did the tape measure measurement to see if he had a leg link discrepancy. I also did something called Allie's test. I'll mention that in just a second, but those two did indeed confirm that he had probably a leg link discrepancy. When I did the measurement, his right leg was 38 inches long. The other one was 38 and a half. Yeah. That's, See, that's, that's massive. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have found too, where if it is like that half a centimeter to a centimeter, then I'm pretty committed mm-hmm. to doing that heel lift. And, you know, here in the clinic, we have adjustable ones, which mm-hmm. I think is really nice that we can, you know, put it in patients' um, shoes and just customize it to up or down to maybe what they specifically need. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are ones to look for in the clinic, but also provide as a resource for a patient if ever they needed to get additional ones. Can I mention? this uh I, I think this is interesting and i hadn't really considered it but um this gentleman that i was seeing has had a history of two total hip arthroplasties including one revision and these are many years old we're talking decades plus and the um the surgical approach is probably a little different than what they do today and so there's probably a mismatch hence that's why we have this leg link discrepancy where one leg was shorter than the other and um that threw his gait off considerably. If you were to watch him from behind and he walks away from you, he has this sway. Almost looks like a windshield wiper, if you will. And um, interestingly enough, when we added that heel lift and we started small and gradually we built it up, he did notice a difference. But most importantly, one of the subjective things or things that he said to me that was different was, I don't have to bend my knee so much. And I said, that's because you're compensating more than likely. And then also when I walk, Michael, I don't feel like I'm a penguin. I don't feel like I'm waddling so much. That was an instantaneous self-perceived change just by changing the leg length, whereby we actually decreased his pain in his lower back because of the compensation or the waddling, if you will, that occurred. It was it perfect, no, because there's a motor program that had been ingrained and that's normal to him to do this windshield wiper or penguin-like movement. But to add on top of that, what we did is we gave him two walking sticks to help facilitate a little bit more of a wider base of support and encourage that reciprocal arm swing. And it changed his gait completely, guys. It was amazing. And he was just over the moon. It was really cool to see. Well, I think there's a lot of interesting topics there to even talk about. Oh, regarding, that's loaded. Um, you know, the interventions that you did for your patient, but like how old are his... Uh, 
prosthesis that are put in there, the total joints. Ten years plus. Yeah, I mean, I think there's too some other investment of, are they worth getting relooked at, or, you know, was it habit too? You know, it, yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. Well, it was a surgical procedure, but. You know, what are you going to do at this point, I think, is the big thing is right now you need to manage function. Mm-hmm. You need to manage discomfort and then see where it leads you. You know, sometimes in the case of my patients, it's like I've got discomfort over my low back, unsure on the cause. Uh, I've had a ton of chiropractic interventions, um, just can't seem to resolve it. Um, maybe adding like that little bit of heel lift can be helpful. Or mm-hmm. I suffered a knee injury on one of my legs and I've been unable to straighten it. Uh, it's pretty firm and stuck. So, you know, adding something in there to just help with that assistance, if it's not going to change, can also help um, improve someone's function and just kind of reducing some of the symptoms that they have so that they can go about their day. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting article that I had found because, you know, really, I don't know if we were ready to like debunk the need for uh, heel lifts, but we also wanted to just gain a little bit more knowledge in regards to whether um, we really should pursue doing this for our patients if we think it is needed. But I found this article, um, it's titled Leg Length Discrepancy in Nonspecific Low Back Pain, a 3D Stereo Photogrammetric, long word, <laughs> quantitative posture evaluation confirms Wait. positive effects of custom heel lift mm-hmm. orthotics. And in the article, they did do a 3D image of patients standing. So again, looking at that frontal and sagittal plane to see if there's any changes in the spine and structure uh, posture standing. And then they did apply a heel lift to some of these patients and found that there were there was benefit in a patient's stance and functional mobility. I think it's a good article just to review and kind of give insight to coworkers that, hey, maybe this isn't um, frequently used, but it's still something for us to always consider. It's in the armatorium. Yeah, that's right. Right? It's one of your <laughs> weapons that you can use if need be and pull it out if needed. Exactly. And, you know, too, we have a student right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just brings up for a good topic of conversation um, again to see their perspective what is being brought up in class um, and making sure that our knowledge is just as strong as the students coming out too so we can provide education to patients one thing that I think is worth mentioning before we actually uh, roll on out of here because it's early in the morning guys and we have patients here in about half an hour heel lifts when you look at the literature it's appropriate for some patient populations and not in others we found that you do not use a heel lift. Absolutely not. I'm shaking my head. You don't use it for someone that has a functional or what you would deem or think is a functional leg link discrepancy. That's a completely different treatment. This should be used for somebody that has a structural deformity. Um, so that is indeed a contraindication when considering or using a heel lift, just something to keep in mind. However, if it is a functional deformity, there's a whole different line that you can go down. Right. You could do manual therapy because generally what happens is the pelvis twists mm-hmm. because of some sort of muscular contracture and you got to get it out of that contracture by rotating it the other way, whereby you will actually change the leg length discrepancy and you will find that homeostasis or the same length. And guys, it's okay if there's a little bit of a asymmetry. Asymmetries are normal. We all have that. They're all, look at my mm-hmm. nose. It's a little bit out of place. <laughs> Not completely, but there's a, it's a little bit mm-hmm. off. 
But I think, you know, that's where our assessment above and below the yes. joint line is where the payoff is because mm-hmm. you're doing a patient disservice if you're only focusing on one area and two, separating whether it is something that they've always had, mm-hmm. that they've developed and it's now progressively in that position or if it's tight because they stepped off the curb wrong or they landed on their bottom or, um, you know, repetitive activities. Ligamentous laxity, mm-hmm. postpartum. There's so many different sitting. things. That, sitting, yeah. e There's so many different things that could happen. But just something to consider. So pull that particular tool out when appropriate, but know when to use it and when not to use it. Exactly. Well, it was good getting together this morning. Yeah, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm not a morning person, people, mm-hmm. as you can probably tell. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, I hope that we get back uh, sooner rather than later to give another talk um, to be determined on what that's going to be. Yes. Got some good thoughts, Mm -hmm. but don't want to put anything out yet. Yeah. Uh, Email us if ever you want to uh, send us any questions. Feel free to contact us and we'll talk to you soon. Guys, have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye bye.